Now, I've never spoken to my next guest, and I was surprised I haven't, as uh, hers is a story I absolutely love. Mary Byrne won a nation over back in 2010 when she blew Simon Cowell and Katy Perry away with a rendition of I Who Have Nothing. We played it earlier, uh, just a clip of it earlier for you to remind you. What a what a wonderful moment. Her story is well known, from Tesco till worker to supporting Neil Diamond, but there's lots we don't know about, Mary. And Mary, you're so welcome to the programme. And it's great to be here. And, and I'm just to let you know before we go on, tons Thunderball was the other. There you go. One of the other we are, now we're only short. Now we're only short four. Thank you, Mary. Thunderball, absolutely. Are you a Bond fan? I'm a huge Bond yeah, fan. Yeah, I love yeah. Bond, yeah. especially all the early ones. Yeah, I love them as well. I mean, I loved. I mean, a lot of people say that the first Bonds were great. I loved what was his name? Uh, not Simon Templar. Uh, Roger Moore. Yeah, yeah. I loved him. He was my Bond. <laughs> yeah. He was definitely my Bond. There you go. Um, so you, you, tell us a little bit about you. I've lots to talk to you about. We, should, we might might as well go right back. Uh, oh, brought up in Ballyfermot, <laughs> youngest of five. Mm-hmm. Uh, so were you were you were you daddy and mammy's girl then? If you were the youngest, I was more daddy's girl. Right. I was more daddy's girl, and my dad just seemed to cling to me big time. Even when we lost mammy in '95, dad clung to me until he went in 2004. Right. So I, I used to bring him for his drink and, you know, a few pints every weekend and that. So yeah, I was a big daddy's girl. That's great. Um, were you religious a, a, as a child, Mary? Because there was some talk that you maybe considered, you know, a religious life at, at, usually, at, at one point. Usually, I, I did consider it, usually. Um, I actually went into the, the nuns and, and spoke to them and um, did a couple of months just, you know, seeing what they were doing and the whole lot. Religious, I don't, I mean... I was a wild child. Yeah. I was a wild child. I mean, I ran away from home when I was 16. Well, I mean, I was, I was a bit on the, the loose that, side. That's hard to square with maybe on one side and then considering being a nun on another, no? I was quite confused. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the nun bit came from being in a convent because at the time when I was going to school, it was called the Dominican Convent yeah. in Ballyferma. And it was just all one school run by nuns. And I was fascinated by the nuns. And I loved religion. I loved, uh, I was very good at religion in school. So I loved the stories in religious, in religion. Um, and the nun thing came kind of when I was at, a lot of times when I was down low and I'd feel someone talking to me. Right. A lot of people say that's voices in the head, that's a bad thing. <laughs> but for me, it was a spiritual feeling. And I do still feel very spiritual. But the nun thing, I remember one time going in and Sister Nula was the nun I actually met up in Clondalkin. And she was quite happy to have me in and the whole lot. But listening to me, she said to me, I think you still got a lot of living to do. So she told me to go out and live. And I did. And then I met my daughter's father and fell madly in love. So that was the end of the nuns. Yeah. And at what age were you then when you had your first child? Or I was 27. 27. Yeah. 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 And she's just been my rock ever since. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and am I right in saying that you... You struggled uh, with 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 her in, in in terms of separating from her dad. That, that yeah. You never really you you never really let him out of your life for a long number of years. No, for a long, long time. It's only in the last, I'd say, seven, eight years that I've just you know I've I've kind of come to realise that you know I was very foolish feeling that I still loved him, but you can't tell your heart to stop loving somebody. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it was a hard time being without him because we were rejected both of us very very badly by him. But that doesn't make him a bad person, just he wasn't there for us. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so you, you you effectively then paddled your own canoe. You had probably good support from your own family. Yeah, I uh, had great support from my own family. The, the thing I did was, I, I did go down a depression, but it wasn't because of him. I, I did suffer with depression in any way. 
um, I went, I started eating and started putting on loads of weight and start getting into a state where I never went out. I just stuck with my daughter in the house and then she started eating. So it was a vicious cycle that happened. But I did have support from family. But mum was very sick at the time as well. So, you And know. tell us about this uh, lesbian affair that oh, you had. Oh, mother God. That, that still makes your daughter cringe. Oh, she cringes every time. <laughs> I tell you what happened there. It was, it was back, it was 1979, 1980. When I broke up with a long term uh, relationship that I had, we had we had lived together for nearly five years, myself and this guy. And he was really he is still to this day one of the best guys in the world. But we had a, a bad relationship and I came out very confused, not known. I mean, I had met him at 16. Yeah. And I had left him when I was just 20. And I just didn't know what was happening. And I had a friend who used to go off with, on holidays. We'd have great times and all that. And it just happened. I don't I can't tell you when or how we start travelling around America and something happened and... Off you go. Off we go. <laughs> but I have to say, I don't regret it. I know my daughter regrets it. I know my family regret it. That's but great. I don't regret it because it it kind of showed another side to me. Yeah, yeah. Why you know, not? And it, it helped me grow as the person I am. You know, it, it really did help me grow. I mean, I'm, I'm not a lesbian. I have no objections to... Lesbians, I think lesbians are lovely. And would I ever kiss another woman? I don't know. Maybe you don't know. You know, that's who I am. You're a free spirit, and it's great. It's refreshing. Tell us then about how did you end up? Then how did you end up getting the job in Tesco? Uh, till number forty, I think you that's were. That's right. You were on that for, was my till. How many years did you work in Tesco? Eleven years. Wow. Okay. 11 years. I was look at you know Tesco's were very good to me. I, yeah. I will never knock Tesco's as long as I live. Um, long before the X factor, they were good to me because as you, as you know, I suffered with depression and had a lot of time off work and. They looked after me tremendously. Yeah. So I, I can't knock that. And then when I went for the X Factor, paid my wages right up to the time that I came out yeah. of the X Factor and looked after me. And tell us about that world, you know, where 11 years there, talking to the customers. I was always singing. Bit, bit of banter with the staff. <laughs> yeah. you, did you enjoy your time there? I did yeah. enjoy my time. I'll give you an instance. Like, i tell you how, how much I enjoyed what I did was we had a big power cut there one Christmas. And the place was chock-a-block with people shopping and the whole lot. And my manager ran out to me and she says, Mary, please sing a song. The tills, <laughs> the tills were completely down. So I got out and started singing, kiss me, honey, honey, kiss me. And the crowd started clapping. You know, I mean, a great time. And the lights came back on. Just as I finished the song, the lights came back on. Wow. And I just remember the reaction for everybody. Everybody kind of patting me on the back and saying, thanks, you know, you, you took the boredom out of standing there and the moans and the groans of standing there waiting for the electricity to come back on. So when you were working in tex Tesco, Mary, did you have a kind of a, a parallel world where you were doing amateur dramatics? Where did you do your singing and... Did you do stuff in local pubs or anything like that? When I first started in Tesco's, I wasn't singing. I had given up singing for a long, long time. So, I mean, I started in Tesco's when I just hit 40. Yeah. So for almost, I would say, 10, maybe 12 years before I started in Tesco's, I had stopped singing. Right. And then when I went into Tesco's, I didn't sing until I hit 47. And my brother said to me, why don't you start learning to sing to backing tracks? Because I'd always sang with bands and stuff like that. And come out and sing with me. And so we used to, I started doing it once every month going, on a Saturday night, go with him after, you know, I'd finished work and I had to go off then and go singing. And it just built from there. Right. It built from there. And yeah. we always, at family gatherings and that, would you have sung or was it that, was there a lot of sort of singing around the house? There was or? always a lot of singing around the house. I yeah. mean, my first song that I ever sang in front of anybody, and when I say in front of anybody, my head was down like this, I was sitting on the sofa and the tape recorder was on, was Dana's song, All Kinds of Everything. So that was, what, 72? 
three or that four. That was 1970. Yeah, yeah. 1970. When that first, that was the first time I ever sang in front of anybody. And the gas thing was, I was only saying to you today, that listening back to that tape recorder, I'm singing away, hiding in the chair. And next <laughs> of all, you hear the cat screaming because someone stood in its tail. So it's hilarious to listen to. Hilarious. Well, that's great. Great. And and, and so then let's go, let's talk about uh, the, the, the whole the breakthrough uh, in front of, of Simon Cowell and Katy Perry. Walk us through that evening. because Before that happened, yeah, I, my, myself and my brother, as I said, we were out, he had said to me, a friend of his rang him and said there was auditions going in a hotel down on the Keys for a, a small programme from uh, TG Carr, which was Nullick Number 1, it was called. Okay. And both of us went there. And this is where I started to kind of get that little bit of itch yeah, yeah. for doing something bigger. I went for this audition. We broke, both start laughing because the idea we were the oldest in the place. It was all kids playing fiddles and dancing and stuff because it was an Irish station. So we went in and we sang. We both got through. He went through his force and he got knocked out and I went on to win it. Now it was a very small little talent competition and it was on television. But it kind of gave me the bite. Right, okay. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and it also gave maybe the confidence that maybe I can do this. Well, you see... I'm after winning this. Maybe I can I win realized, another one. What I realised standing on the stage, it wasn't even that I could win it. It was standing on this stage and there was cameras all over me and I wasn't minding the cameras. Yeah. I was just looking at the, the audience. So I kind of said, when me, when my niece approached me to go on The X Factor, I said, no, no way would I go on The X Factor. It's too big. I'd be too scary. And um, she said, ah, oh, please, Mary, go for it. Because you have to do it. That's only a small little thing you did, but you can do it. Yeah. So to make a long story short, she applied for it. And I said to her, listen, if it comes to Ireland, I'll go for it. If it doesn't, I won't. Because I, and the reason I said it was because I knew Simon Cowell had said he wouldn't come back to Ireland. Yeah. Because there was no talent. Yeah. So I thought he's not going to come back. <laughs> but lo and behold, he came back two years later. And I had to keep my promise to my niece. So I went for it. Right. And it was it was it was a very scary process. It really was because first and foremost, I I I just kept going. It was like I wasn't thinking. That's the only way I can describe yeah, it. Yeah, you were in the zone. Yeah, that day that that night that we went to Crow Park to queue up at two o'clock in the morning. When we walked in, me and my daughter, and I seen the crowds that were there, and the atmosphere that was there, I just got into the atmosphere. Yeah. And I just she had made she had made tea in, in a flask and brought sandwiches. So at six o'clock the next morning. As you do in Croke Park. As you do, yes. <laughs> as I said, well, the next morning at six o'clock, I think we'll just go home. She says, you have your... Mm. You think I'm at the queuing up since two o'clock this morning? You want to go home now? But that was that day. I went through it. And then I had to come back the next day and go through two more auditions before I even got near the judges. Okay. And then you had to wait a month. And you were singing the same song. I would not stop singing that song. Right. And I tell you why, because it was an unusual song for starters. Yeah. And everybody else was singing pop. Yeah. And I was a 50 year old woman who said, I'm going to sing what I like. Yeah. And because Tom Jones is a a huge icon for me, that song just stood out. It was the first record I ever kind of my brother ever got that I listened to constantly on the radio. And he kind of made it. You made it your song. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I kept singing it. And I remember them asking me, can you sing something? I said, no. I said, I want to sing this because it's what I feel. It's, it's, it, it gets my voice out there and it gets my personality out Great. there. Great. So it did. Okay, so, so, and again, fabulous night. And the next day, the next week, world changes for Mary Barn. After the, the judges, go in front of the judges, yeah, everything kind of changed. Yeah. Everything. I mean, I, I couldn't go into work <laughs> because when I, when I did go into work, people were asking me, you know, have you made it? And, and, and I had to keep, and nothing was getting done. Yeah. So management came to me and said, listen, take a leave of absence before the boot camp and we'll pay you. 
So I did. Yeah. So which, you get, which, which was allowed you kind of separate one from the other and there was a way back if it didn't work That's out. That's true. That's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They were very yeah. good to me. That's what I'm saying. But I mean, it was, it was, it was like, it was like I wasn't there. It was like somebody else was doing it and I was, my, another part of my body was out in the world yeah. and I was watching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what it was like. So you, you, you have to grab these things and it, you, you certainly did that. Uh, um, and again, supporting Neil Diamond. That was amazing. So, so like this was you and a, how many people were there that 55, night? 55,000. Yeah, right. And I, I remember sitting in the dressing room and they had said to us, don't go near Neil. If Neil wants to talk to you, he'll talk to you. Uh, so I was sitting there and the door, a knock on the door came and the guy that was doing me hair, Billy, he got up and he opened the door. And this fellow with a camera saying, he said, hello. And, and, I, and I'm going, well, and next of all, this little man walks in yeah. with a cap. Who are you? And I went, how are you? And he goes, hi, Mary. And I went, oh, my God. <laughs> and he just gave me a hug that, you know, it was, you knew, he was, you knew he was just as down to earth as I was. Wasn't that decent? Yes, yeah, it was. Absolutely and, decent. And the, the advice he gave me was enjoy every moment of it, because when you walk out on that stage, you have a half an hour. He said, I guarantee you, it'll feel like 15 minutes to you. Yeah. And he was dead right. Yeah. He was dead right. But he was such a lovely man. So, so you've made, this is your new world now. Yes. But I, and it's lovely to see that you're absolutely still grounded and you're still clearly the same person that you always were. Which you, I, couldn't, I, you, you couldn't live in my family no, without being but, grounded. No, well, I think that's, I think that's <laughs> the way to be. And you're looking fabulous. Tell me about all the weight loss. Yeah, Operation Transformation, uh, not last September. I'm on it next week, by the so, way. Are you? Yeah, I gave a fellow dig out. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think I seen yeah, that. I yeah, I was watching the day today. I, uh, pa- I watched Paul it. Paul up in, up in Sligo, lovely that's lad. That's right, so I, yes. I went, I went down to him to give him a bit of a dig out. And so I, that's... Hopefully it's going to be good. So tell me about your own experience there. Uh, it, do you know what? It changed my whole attitude mental wise. It helped me discover, you know, that I had to get up and move. It also helped me realise that I can lose weight and that I can't be using excuses like my underactive thyroid or my arteritis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all of that. And then and then another thing that I, I spoke about on the... Eat less, of, exercise more. Uh, this Very is it. simple. But mentally, but it, it sounds simple. Yeah. You know, you talk yeah. to, I talk to a lot of people now who see the journey I've gone on and the five stone that I've lost. And... They say to me, oh, it seemed very easy. It's not very easy. It's no, not when you... of course it's not. When you love food or you have problems, you know, mental problems are... I don't mean you're mental, but, you know, psychological problems where you feel the world has done you wrong or somebody else has done you wrong. And food can be it's, a release. It is a release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, finding Operation Transformation and getting there and talking to the experts and the support of the people that I got and the reaction of the people that came back to me was incredible. And did the fact that it was a kind of a public thing on Operation Transformation, did that put pressure on you to succeed in that, you know, if everybody sees me on this programme, I kind of don't want to let anyone, do, uh, in other words, I, I need to deliver want, here. I didn't want to let anybody down. I yeah. didn't lose over a stone. I lost 11 and a half pound on the whole show. Yeah. I wasn't the, the highest loser. Yeah. I mean, I think James Patrice was the, the highest loser on that. But what it did for me was I knew there was people watching and I knew that I had to show them that it can be done. Yeah. But I didn't think it could be done because I'd been trying for years to try and lose weight mm. and I couldn't do it. And it was, what it was, was a combination of, I suppose, getting me into the right mindset, teaching me again how to start cooking for myself, using the proper foods and oils. Yeah. And, and just realising that getting out and walking in the field is the most greatest thing you can do for your mental health 
and physical health. And is it walking as your exercise of choice? I do walking, yeah. Now, most times I do walking in the field, but I've gone back to the gym now because I like to do a bit of swimming. Yeah. So I do the treadmill now. I do 45 minutes to 50 minutes on the treadmill and I do um, three quarters of an hour swimming, which is great because it just makes you feel, tones you up. You get to meet people. I get talking to the, all the, the, the old biddies like myself that are around the pool <laughs> and we have a great bit of laugh. It's all very social, isn't it? It is very social. You're going to Blackpool next weekend, yeah? I am. I'm going, Tell me I'm, about that. Linda Nolan is one of the Nolan sisters and we became friends when I did Menopause the Musical with her right. here in Ireland. And it's her 60th birthday. We're both nearly the same. I'm 60 in November. She's 60 this month. And I was asked to come over and do a show for, Great. for our 60th birthday. So I'm heading over there. So that'll be a bit of crack. To sing yeah. a few songs and have a few glasses of wine yeah. and let me hair down. Wow, wow. <laughs> um, just uh, what about some of the other X Factor contestants? Mm. Matt Cardle. Yeah, still in touch with Matt and yeah. still in touch with Rebecca. Yeah. And of course, Wagner is a good friend of mine on Facebook. We, we I mean, Wagner came to a wedding with me there about two years ago, three years ago in Scotland. That he flew was a bit down, of crack. Yeah, flew down from Birmingham and came came to a wedding with me. Great guy. A lot of people took him up the wrong way. Wagner is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet and yeah. he has a good heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He genuinely has a good heart. So you're writing a book, is that right? I am. Tell me about that. Now, you see, the problem with the writing the book is... <laughs> First and foremost, I never realised how hard it was to get a story out of your head. Yeah. Because in your head, it sounds different to when you're starting to put it down. Now, I don't write it. I talk into a dictaphone. Yeah. And I tell the story and I do the characters' voices in the dictaphone. I sound like a lunatic. Does somebody help you then take it from, I suppose, that medium into the written word? That's hopefully what's going to happen. I become friends with uh, Patricia Scanlon. You know Patricia Scanlon? Oh, yeah. And she has told me that when the time comes and I have enough chapters done and enough of the story done. How did you meet her, by the way? I met her on uh, the Elaine show, which I do with um, Elaine Crowley on yeah. TV3. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, No, sorry, Virgin. Yeah. yeah. Can't say TV3 anymore. You get anymore. fired for that. I get fired. <laughs> but that's what I that's what I do now during the week. I, the odd week I do Beyond the Elaine show. Like Loose Women, we have a yap and yeah, 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 a bit yeah. of cracking. Listen, I, you can see how much I yap. Uh, I, should, should so I talk to you all that's day. That's why those shows I talk are great. to you all day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so she's been very generous then with her time. She, in terms she will of, be, yes. Yeah. She said to me, whenever you need me, give me a ring and we'll sort that book out. And I mean, I probably will need a ghostwriter to help me. I will need somebody to edit it and to make to put it into some sort of a story. I have another story. I have three or four stories in my head that just run around. They've been running around long before The X Factor. Yeah. And I, I just never knew how to do it. I am a storyteller. Yeah, yeah. And I've always been because it runs in my family. So hopefully I can get this book out. It's a bit of a more of a mystery and a bit of love and a bit of sex in it and all that Whoa. stuff that goes in books. <laughs> so tell me then, what's your kind of, or do you have a plan for the next number of years? What do you want? Where do you want to? It seems like you're doing lots of creative things. Yeah, you're doing things that you maybe wanted to do years ago. I'm uh, doing, I'm doing, and you seem very happy in yourself. Oh, I am happier. I'm a lot yeah. healthier and happier, mental and physical. Yeah, I am definitely, and I, and I know I'm going places, and I have, I know something big is going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen, yeah. but it'll happen in the next year to two years, right? But at the moment, the dream for me, I'm doing a show in the concert hall in June. Uh, it's a tribute to Burt Bacharach. And oh, I'm do- wow. Pat Egan is the promoter yeah. of it. And there's a few of us doing it. But that's my idea. That is what I'd like to be doing, singing on the big stages with the big glittery dresses and being the diva. That's 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 the ultimate goal. So in life. Th- things like would you do would you do Vegas? Would you do cruise ships? Would I do you cruise do, ships. You do I, them, I do, do one particular cruise ship, uh, the Holland America. It's a, an Irish American tour that goes on. Daniel O'Donnell does be on it and all that. Uh, Gertrude Bourne, she runs it. A, a lady from she's from Mayo, but she's been living in America since she was okay. a child. 
So I've been already doing that. Vegas would be a dream. I'd love to do that. But I need to just get something that I can settle with and be happy with. Right. I also love doing, I'd love to do radio. I'd love to do television. There's so many things that I want to do. And it's a big book list. And I'm just hoping that people out there will make those dreams come true for me. Well, look, I've really enjoyed our chat. It's, it's been, been a pleasure. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. You're absolutely a, a top notch. I'm sorry for uh, yapping. No, all the time. I, as I say, I chat to you all day. Merry morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much.